Hey, everybody, welcome to Social Beauty Makers Podcast, where every Wednesday, we'll bring you fast-paced, powerful 15 or so minute episodes meant to inform, educate, and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends in all things tech for the professional salon industry. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host, and today, I'm doing a bit of future casting based on a a panel that I was on with Moroccan Oil out in Las Vegas recently. Uh, get into that in a moment. But first, a reminder that on Sundays, you can find me hosting BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty podcast, featuring brilliant guests sharing their best advice on building sustainable, successful, and satisfying careers. All right. So thanks for tuning in. Um, let's get started. So as I said, I'm, I'm going to be sharing some, some thoughts about trends coming our direction. I'm inspired in large measure to a Moroccan oil collective, the name of their recent really big event um, that I was lucky enough to be invited to be a part of. I was on a panel entitled Charting a Bold Future for Salons, along with my friend Mary Rector, founder and owner behind the chair.com, Leslie Perry, director of membership for the Professional Beauty Association, and Ricky Grisello, hopefully I pronounced that right, Moroccan oil brand ambassador and an editorial stylist in Las Vegas, all the way from Australia. And we were hosted by Robert Hamm, VP of Global Education for Moroccan Oil, in front of close to a thousand attendees. And we had a great conversation that has me wanting to share more. And so that's what I am going to do. So I'm going to kind of do this without my panelist friends, because we all, we kind of got just about a minute to answer each of the questions. And as usual, I've got a lot more than that inside my head. So I'm going to share some of it with you today because I think it was a really compelling topic. And again, great um, appreciation to Robert Hamm and to Moroccan Oil for putting this together. So we started by talking about the evolution of business models and how to best succeed in changing times. And we all had different points of view. And well, I think and, and I think across every topic, we were very aligned. So I want to be clear about that. But, you know, we came at it from different directions. And so I'm going to kind of offer my take. And so, you know, again, evolution of business models and, and how to best succeed. So for me, you know, it's, it's really interesting. We live in a uh, an era of the industry of pretty significant change when it comes to the makeup of the workforce and what everybody does. I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but um, the most recent math around business models, um, when I aggregate those who are self-employed, which includes independents, um, renters, suite owners, owners of traditional and rental salons, um, we're at about 65% self-employment. That's a startling number. And I, I challenge anybody to find another industry of professionals that, that kind of operate at that, that level of self-employment. It's a, it's a very much an outlier kind of number. And when you can't find, you know, alignment with, with other trends in the world, you know, it's a reason to perhaps scratch our heads. We're also over 60% part-time as a 2019 pre-pandemic. And so it feels like it's very much grown. If I had to just give a gut on where we might be today, I'd say probably 70% is probably closer. But again, PBA did a study, um, 61% in 2019. Really importantly, self-employment and being part-time knowing history of the industry, watching these numbers over many decades. These are both very high-risk categories. Throughout my career, those who have been self-employed, um, and we can bench this, benchmark this against other industries where there are small business people, um, the failure rate is quite high. And anecdotally, we know that a lot of people, when they fail at ownership, then leave the industry completely. Part-time, you know, there's all kinds of good in an industry where we've got that flexibility to be part-time or full-time, but 
never seen numbers this high before. And that's a concern because you know what's driving that change? And is that change for many perhaps taking them down a lane of less income than anticipated and potentially then takes them completely out of the industry rather than going back to full time. So I think that, you know, is a concern relative, you know, to the challenges that we are facing. Another thing I'd add there is that the independent idea is, is kind of aligned with what is called the gig economy. And the gig economy, you know, which is this ability for anybody to go out and kind of be their own boss, it has not been kind to workers around the world. Um, I'm not aware of any good examples of where the moving into the gig economy has resulted in more income for a category. We think of Uber drivers, but there's been research done that actually taxi drivers were making more money than Uber drivers are today. So you know, that's kind of a, a, a fascinating uh, number. So with again, with these numbers at risk, you know, it says to me that the labor shortage over time may only get worse. And we already have been living through you know, decades of, of a quote unquote labor shortage. So the next question was like, well, how do you thrive in difficult times, changing times? Because even if you don't think you're difficult, they're certainly changing. And my response was to double down on the basics um, and to do so in a modern way. The foundations of success in a professional salon industry hasn't changed much um, over time. The same things that worked 30, 40 years ago fundamentally are the same. It's a fairly simple business model of how we engage with clients, how we, you know, get clients to come back to us, you know, how we market predominantly over many decades through word of mouth. Again, it's changed with time how we do that, social media versus handing out business cards as a simplistic example. But again, I think that big, big picture is doubling down on that, which we know creates success. And I have to also say that just looking back even in recent years, when you strip away how we do things, again, the foundation hasn't changed. And kind of layering onto that, I'd say, you know, we just have to leverage being great at service and as importantly, perhaps more importantly, great at customer service. There's been all kinds of studies done um, in the last year or so that show that Americans are not feeling good about the quality of customer service across all business categories. You know, I haven't seen anything specific to salons, but generally speaking, people are frustrated with customer service and again, what they perceive as a lack of it. That will be different across generations, of course. We have different life experiences, different expectations based on those life experiences. If you're kind of coming into um, a time where you're free to spend money on the things you want to spend it on, and you're younger, you may be coming into a world where there isn't great customer service. So you don't really have a different context. And those who have been around a little bit longer may have a very different context. So I just would say that we can't go wrong by providing great services and we can't go wrong by providing great customer service. Super, super important. And again, word of mouth, critical, encouraging referrals, rebooking clients, um, selling retail. These things have all been foundational in success for a very long time. And I also like to think of them as kind of a, a pathway to what I would call incrementalism financially. So much of success in any industry, um, especially in an industry like ours, um, is, is it's about those little things that add a little bit of money to a client's ticket, um, to the tip, that when you multiply it times all clients, that incrementalism can add up into life-changing cha amounts of income. So, you know, really, really important. Next question we were asked, you know, had to do with innovations in technology. 
And how do we leverage that in building and sustaining success? One of my favorite topics. And, you know, my, my, I wanted to talk about AI. I'll say that honestly, because it's my, one of my favorite topics. In fact, I'm doing an interquafier presentation this next weekend and get to be on stage uh, in front of that wonderful audience and, and talk about AI. And uh, so I'll, I'll put that on the back burner for the moment and say that um, instead, you know, I talked about what I see in the larger world that has a connection to technology. And that seems to be that we're in this, um, you know, small is a new big era. Um, we're moving to smaller salons. We're moving to a whole lot of people in suites more than ever. Again, smallness. And I would say that smallness requires finding every efficiency you can in business. Again, whether you're, you know, a, a traditional salon with staff or whether you're a business of one, that when you're smaller in terms of the mass of, of, of people, of, of effort that you can put, of time, you know, you need to find efficiencies. And technology offers efficiencies. We would not have seen the growth in independence that we have seen without um, apps and the power that they put into hand of so many people who wanted to be entrepreneurs, who wanted to be on their own. And by having these apps and the efficiencies created around booking, just think about the idea that, you know, someone solo can use all of the, the things found in technology to be a receptionist, to be a bookkeeper, to be a marketer. So again, as we move into this era of more small and the need to find efficiency, I think technology is absolutely um, essential. And, you know, just a proof point, I think, uh, around the power, you know, that it holds. We then talked about what Robert called low-hanging fruit, you know, kind of the opportunities are in front of us now as things are changing, but they're, they're just there. Like, what can we leverage as we're going through this changing world um, to, to build success? And I'll go back to what I said a few moments ago, which is customer service. We know that 80% of success, and there's been studies done about this, 80% of success in a, in a business like ours is about how people feel about their experience more than the work you do. And by the work you do, I mean the quality of the haircut, the hair color. Now, if it's just terrible, the average consumer knows really bad from, from okay. But what we don't know sometimes is that difference between good and great. And so we, we kind of, as humans, double down our brains around how did you make me feel? And so that is, again, a really, really big opportunity in today's world. Next, we talked about kind of the changing shifts and attitudes, behaviors, you know, how people are changing, both people who are in the industry and, and people who are coming into salons for services. And what does that mean? And my response was, you know, that I think more than ever, clients want more value for the money, period. Regardless of the category that they're coming in, whether it's the value salon or whether it's the, the higher end, whatever they're spending, they want more value for their money. On the other side of that coin, you know, pros, in my opinion, want greater income for the value that they provide to clients. So interesting, you know, I think we're all just wanting a little bit more out of life. And I think, you know, that that's just really important to understand. I think it's also important to understand generational differences and attitudes. I don't really think they're as different as many people think they are, um, but maybe that's because I'm older, but um, I have grown up, you know, um, as these new generations have come about, you know, Gen Z wasn't here when I, uh, when I was, when I was a little bit younger. And so I, I'm fascinated to see the change. I'm fascinated to see how generations became generations before me kind of thought about my generation and the evolution of the people who 
are in my generation and how our thoughts have changed. And I'm, I'm having fun actually watching those come up behind me and, and make their mark on the world. So love all the generations. I especially have always been drawn to working with young people and appreciate them so much. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the differences and think we all need to be aware of them. It's a, it's a really big idea. And most importantly, relative that is communication. We just need to be communication ninjas and whether we are, you know, dealing with clients cross-generational, whether we're dealing with coworkers cross-generational, whether we've got a boss who's a different generation. And I was told a long time ago how important it is as, as a person who works for somebody to manage up, <laughs> to manage the person above you. And I think that's brilliant advice. And it has a lot to do with managing expectations, you know, having clear communications and having clear understanding of what communication looks like between the two of you. Because again, we're all different and you don't have to be of a different generation to have a different style of communicating and processing information and, you know, hearing things. I think, you know, really kind of big ideas. Lastly, you know, we were asked to talk about wins and fails and, and, and a bold prediction. So, you know, like what are the recent wins for the larger industry? You know, something big that's happened that feels just like a general collective win um, versus a general collective fail. So for me, the big, the big win um, is the um, conversation around diversity that we've been having um, coming out of pandemic. It's been a big, important conversation. Um, I would say that, that uh, I'll add a little bit of a fail to this because I think, again, it's, it's become prominent. It's become important. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about the doing of hair, but I don't think we've had enough conversation about the industry itself, those who work in it. And the importance of teams in salons across the industry um, also being diverse. You know, we, we are a diverse industry, and I think that businesses within the industry should reflect that diversity. And I think it's important, and I think it will take every other effort we make and, and just supercharge it. So, um, but the big win being this, this conversation around diversity and texture, which is very much connected to that. The big fail for me um, is misinformation, number one. There's just so much of it. Um, and it's, it's, it makes, my, makes me scratch my head and, and I have concern about it because a lot of people don't know that what they're hearing may not be correct. And I'm not talking about opinions. I'm talking about facts. I'm talking about truth. So that's number one. Um, also, you know, the growth in independence, I feel like, you know, big, big picture, we have a lack of support for these new professionals or this new, this growing category of professionals. And we need more institutional support around this. So many success stories in this, in, in this industry are based on the support of manufacturers, of distributors, of, of all kinds of, again, what I would call institutions, associations, media. There's a long history of greatness, you know, being developed out of the support of these institutions. And I feel like the independent space has been left without that support. Going back to the topic of diversity, I'll say that minority salons have also been going, uh, have been around for a long time without that support, you know, and, there, and there's so much wrong with that. So I think providing support to everybody is important. And we have categories um, that are not getting that support. And I think it's really, really in, important that we consider that. And by the way, you know, the, when we think of, of, of salons um, in minority communities, independence is very, very high historically way higher than other segments of the industry. And um, I think redlining has been an issue absolutely for the industry. But I also think that independence has been a massive block historically to distributors and manufacturers going into certain types of salons. And I think it's a huge fail. We should have solved this problem a long time ago. And as independence has surged, um, I, I hope we will 
double down on, on trying to figure out how to best um, do all that. Lastly, bold predictions. We were each asked to say, you know, something big that we see coming. And, you know, in, in, in my work at BeautyCast Network, you know, I'm, I'm now CEO and president of BeautyCast, uh, continue to do this podcast and my newsletter with social beauty makers and, and do some work with brands through the social beauty makers, you know, I guess, brand. Um, but um, BeautyCast Network is where I spend the majority of my time. So I'm very much involved in the school market again and, and kind of in this area of a bridge between schools and work. And, you know, there's been press about financial aid um, um, being tightened in the cosmetology school market. There's a, a lot of things Department of Education is doing that seem kind of radical. We'll see where that takes us, but it could result in a lot of school closures. Also, and tied to that, we're seeing a changing kind of 1,000-hour um, standard for licensing that is beginning to roll across the country. It's still relatively small, but California and Texas have moved into that area. And so I think, you know, that that all by itself is a big concern. So I would say that, you know, um, out of that is likely going to come fewer schools, a big growth in non-funded smaller schools, and I would say also um, a shift in apprenticeship. So um, I think all those things say to me, less students coming out of school, and we will need to focus in a, in a really big way on retention in the professional side of the market. So, all right. So... I'm out of time. <laughs> so talking about the future, I want to go longer, but I promise to keep these short. So I, and I'm over. So I'm out of time. I'm going to wrap up. And I'm going to say once again, thank you to Moroccan Oil and to Moroccan Oil VP of Global Education, Robert Hamm, for having me as a guest at their first ever really big Moroccan Oil The Collective. Kudos to them and, and congrats to everybody that was there. And uh, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to visit me over at socialbeautymakers.com. Sign up for my free e-newsletter for more content, early access to the podcast. And uh, lastly, hope you'll listen in on Sundays to my BeautyCast Network Mastering Beauty podcast and um, that weekly conversation with brilliant pros on creating sustainable, successful, and satisfying, really important, careers. So finally, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, once again, I'm Gordon Miller, and I cannot wait to share more with you next time. <laughs>